This Israel report is brought to you by the Blue Agency. Your Israel property is in good hands. Owning properties in Israel can be a great investment, but challenging to manage if you're based abroad. The Blue Agency will manage every aspect of your property, finding and vetting tenants, maintaining your property and getting it rental ready, negotiating contracts and collecting rentals, reporting back to you regularly. The Blue Agency has built a reputation for trust and confidentiality over 20 years. The Blue Agency, your Israel property is in good hands. Contact us at www.thebueagency.com. The Israel Report for the latest news and insights with Anthony Reich. Anthony Reich, Bokertov, good morning. How are you? Bokertov, each day that rolls in Israel seems to be just a little more dramatic than the next day. And yesterday was absolutely no exception with high drama being played out on so many different fronts and so many different areas of Israeli society yesterday. Um, and I should say, start out by saying that we can't escape the irony of the fact that this is all taking place in the week before Tisha B'Av. And um, as people will know who've studied up about the events of the destruction of both of the temples on that day, the 9th of Av, in the Hebrew calendar, um, many of our sages claim that the destruction of the temple, at least in some, in the one, in one of the cases, um, more than the other, um, was brought about by lack of unity amongst the people, hatred amongst the people. Mm -hmm. And we're certainly feeling a lack of love in our community, in our society right now. Um, and especially following the events of yesterday, which were pretty dramatic. All right. So, Anthony, can you just put it into perspective for me? Because my sense is that people are getting just a little bit hysterical and and obviously very dramatic. And I get it. You get caught up in this. But as far as I understand, this this uh, clause, the the step that has been taken towards judicial reform is actually quite watered down. And it isn't as dramatic and scary, maybe, as as it's being portrayed to be. Like, I, maybe I'm on the outside to some extent looking in, but I really want to tell Israelis to get a grip. They don't realize how good they've got it. It's not the end of democracy, and it's only a slide into civil war if they continue this this hysterical rhetoric. Uh, you know, watching this watching people protesting is like watching Yom Ha'atzmaut at King David on the field. You know, people walking with 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 flags. It's 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 it, you know, it, it, I'm a little incredulous in a way, looking at this and thinking. You know, isn't this just a tad hysterical or melodramatic? What am I missing here? So let's just go through the events of what happened in the Knesset yesterday because there were attempts to try to formulate um, a, a compromise position between the various parties, and apparently this word compromise was being bandied about on the floor of the Knesset until almost the moment that the vote took place um, Itamar Ben-Gvir apparently coming out saying in the, 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 the hours and minutes before the vote, any compromise will result in me resigning from the coalition. That's the way that he felt mm. so empowered by the events that were taking place in the Knesset yesterday. There was one article that I read which described Prime Minister Netanyahu as walking around very, very nervously 
on the floor of the Knesset. And when the moment came to vote, he didn't vote. And apparently the um, speaker had to call his name out twice or three times to encourage him to mm. vote until he finally voted. And then apparently as he voted, he left the floor of the Knesset without even waiting to see what the result was, which was, of course, a foregone conclusion, as I will um, mm. explain in a moment. And he didn't wait uh, for the victory parade and, and the um, the high fives and the backslapping that went on on the floor of the Knesset immediately afterwards with all kinds of victory pictures, a somewhat pyrrhic victory, I would say, for members of the uh, coalition. Um, so there were some quite dramatic things that went on yesterday, and I think that there were a lot of people in Israel who were just astonished that the coalition would just push it through without even a second consideration, without even making a real believable attempt to see if some sort of a, a broad consensus uh, compromise solution could be found. And I think a lot of people are saying Netanyahu said to the world, he said to Biden, he said to so many people, we will do this using broad consensus. Well, it didn't feel like that yesterday. It felt like a real lie was being played out um, to those people that he promised a, a consensus. But what really went down on the floor of the Knesset was when it became apparent that the opposition had no way of stopping this train, which has already very mm, much mm. firmly left the station, is on its way, the opposition simply walked out of the Knesset and allowed the vote to take place without them. So the record will show that the cancellation of the right of reasonableness to be applied by judges in the High Court was passed by 64 to 0. That is what is on the record because the opposition were not even there to mm -hmm. vote, having already understood that this was a lost cause. Um, a lot of focus on uh, Defence Minister Yoav Gallant. He has been seen as a somewhat more moderate point of view within the governing coalition. People have seen him as a potential weak point, someone who might have even been uh, 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 willing to abstain or vote against this if necessary. But Gallant has been placed in a very, very difficult situation because not only does he represent the governing coalition as a member of Knesset and indeed as the Minister of Defense, but he also represents Israel's security on the ground. And therein lies the conflict for Gallant because on the one hand, he's being told in the one ear by the Chief of General Staff, Herzia Levy, and by former Chiefs of Staff and by former members of the Mossad and senior uh, officials from Israel's security that what the government are doing is weakening Israel's security position because of the fact that so many people are protesting against it and so many people are unwilling to do their reserve duty. And this protest by um, reservists in particular, and to be fair, even within the standing army, even though there isn't that element of refusing to, to serve, but there is certainly a debate going on within the standing army at the moment about the way in which this particular legislation has been handled. And even though the army is not entitled by army rules, not entitled to bring consideration, political considerations mm -hmm. into play in terms of their service that they're doing, and the army has been ever so strict about 
applying those rules over all the years, but we just see a little crack seeping into the army where we know for sure that there are senior generals in the standing army who simply don't buy into the way in which this has been marshaled through government. And even though Chief of General Staff Herzliya-Levy has made clear that we need to have a unified force in order to be able to protect Israel, I have no doubt that he has been telling Defense Minister Yoav Gallant that what your cabinet and what your government is doing is weakening our army. Defense Minister, what you are doing is weakening our army, and your responsibility is to help us to strengthen it. So what are you going to do about this? And that is really the dilemma that Gallant has. Um, uh, we understand that Chief of General Staff Herzliya Levy requested a meeting with Prime Minister Netanyahu yesterday before the vote was held. Netanyahu explained that he was unable to meet with the Chief of General Staff due to technical scheduling issues. Others have interpreted this to mean a refusal to meet him at all because he didn't want to hear what he had to say. But there was a meeting that took place after the vote between the Prime Minister and the Chief of General Staff. We don't know exactly the entire conversation that played out there. But one thing that we are told about that conversation, which is very, very fascinating, and I think um, reflects on what's happening in the army. Apparently, the Chief of General Staff said to the Prime Minister, you need to be very careful about coming out in criticism of those reservists who have refused to serve because of what your government is doing. I don't want to hear you. This is the Chief of General Staff talking to the Prime Minister. I don't want to hear you criticizing those people because they have decided not to serve in the reserves. So this is essentially Herzliya Levy, the Chief of General Staff representing the army, essentially protecting the position that those people are holding their decision not to serve in order to protest against the government's decisions. And one can therefore interpret potentially that Herzliya Levy also is opposed to what's happening within the government right now. Um, and I think that that's a very, very fascinating situation for us to find ourselves in from a, from a security point of view. Having said all of that, Howard, and I know we've said it before, but mm. I think it's important for me to say it again. I have absolutely no doubt in my mind, zero, no doubt in my mind, that in the event of an emergency, all of those people, and there's some 100,000 of them now, reservists who've said they're not going to serve, if there was an emergency on our borders, each and every one of them would get up right away no and do Absolutely. what they no need doubt. to do in order to serve our country. Without so where we, see, yeah. where we see the Hezbollah leader, uh, Hassan Nasrallah, rubbing his hands saying, this is the biggest disaster for the state of Israel and we sense a weakness and this is really the weakest point that Israel has ever reached. Don't try us out, guys. Don't try us out because I think you will find that you are not quite assessing the situation correctly. That is what I would say in my personal capacity on that particular subject. Mm. Now, one of the other things that I would like to say is one of the, there, there was an, uh, there were there were some videos circulating on social media showing Yitzhak Navon Station in Jerusalem on Sunday. Sunday was the day when the protest took place in Tel Aviv amongst the supporters of the coalition, supporters of the reform process, and uh, a protest in Jerusalem 
by those who were opposed to the reform process. Two big demonstrations took place, one in Jerusalem, one in Tel Aviv, and Yitzhak Navon train station was the meeting point. People coming and going to the different demonstrations, people leaving Jerusalem, going down that huge escalator at the station towards the trains and hopping on the train to Tel Aviv to the protest where the pro-reformers were protesting, and people coming up the escalator from the trains that have brought them from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem to the anti-reform protest. And both crowds of protesters, the train station was packed, and the escalators going up and down were absolutely jammed with no space at all, people moving in different directions to the different protests, all of them carrying their Israeli flags, and I've said this one be- once before, the protesters are all protesting under that same flag. And then you see the protesters, as they're going in opposite directions up and down the escalator, shaking hands with each other, different crowds. Mm, as mm. the escalators are moving past, everybody kind of just shaking hands across the barrier between the two escalators, and then each moving to their different protests. And what it says to me is exactly the opposite of what was written in one of the Israeli newspapers last night after the vote was taken. It said there, a, a torn Israel. That was the headline. Israel is torn. And I don't think Israel is torn because I don't see this being a conflict between two groups of people on the street. I think it's become quite obvious that even though there have been one or two pro-reform protests like the one we saw on Sunday, those pro-reform protests have really been orchestrated by the politicians. It's not been something that has come naturally from within the pro-coalition electorate from the streets. We haven't seen them being so invested in this pro-reform process. They've turned out once or twice on the streets, certainly not 27, 28, 29 weeks like the anti-reform protesters, which is a very much a, a, a movement that's been driven naturally. And the, the pro-reform group on the street has been quite silent. And so I don't think that they're so invested in this pro-reform protest as the politicians are. I think that this is a battle between the anti-reformers and the politicians who seem to be very much driving this pro-reform protest. Simply my assessment of the situation, mm-hmm. because I just don't feel that those uh, amongst the electorate who are supporting the coalition, and they do support the coalition, even in this reform process, but I don't think they're so invested in the reform process. I think they're just invested in supporting the coalition. So just a few little assessments from my perspective. Israel's health system decided today to have a day of strike in protest against what happened yesterday. Um, Prime Minister Netanyahu came out saying, well, now that we've passed this law, let's enter into a dialogue until the end of November to try to reach a compromise solution. But the question is, is there a great deal to talk about when this train has really already left the station? Is this train potentially going to return back? Is it going to take another uh, a route along the way? I'm not so sure. I think it just was sort of um, rhetoric rather than a serious offer to enter into talks. And, of course, the protests went on last night. The Ayalon Highway was closed. There were some violent scenes between police trying to clear the highway 
and anti-reform protesters, um, a lot of anger on the streets, a lot of people feeling like they've been let down through this process. Um, a very, very dramatic day in, in, in Israeli history uh, was yesterday. Mm. The, so, so what really does, what happens now? You know, what, what is the next step in, this, in the whole judicial reform? Do, do protests just simply continue even though this law has been passed? Uh, it, it, it's a bit confusing. Well, what's happened now is effectively that the ability by the Supreme Court's judges to apply reasonableness has been removed. Ironically, a number of groups are taking that decision by the Knesset yesterday to the Supreme Court for them to make a decision upon it. That's going to be a fascinating exercise to watch where that one goes. Absolutely. It couldn't be more contradictory if you tried. But essentially, the question now is, how does the government use this situation in order to progress their agenda? If, for example, they suddenly decided to appoint Arya Derry to be a minister in government, knowing full well that the court couldn't mm, challenge him, mm. I think that that would be kind of a slap in people's faces because the court has already said that's not a reasonable thing to do. So I think that that would show some bad faith. But I think the lack of democracy element comes in the way that this is used rather than in the fact that the court is not entitled to intervene on a reasonableness basis. So that, I think, is yet to be tested. Um, some M members of the coalition are very determined to take it forward to the next step, to change the way in which judges are appointed and to really full, uh, to, to, to continue the process of lawmaking uh, in this uh, judicial reform. Protesters have said they are definitely going to continue to fight this and to protest against it. So it seems like it's just going to be more of the same, at least for now. And in terms of the implications of yesterday's law, I think we don't really understand what those implications are until we see how the government chooses to use the new situation that they've chosen to create. Anthony Reich, it is 8 o'clock. That is where we leave it. Fascinating, stressful times indeed. We'll catch you tomorrow morning at 7.45. That Israel report was brought to you by the Blue Agency. Your Israel property is in good hands. Owning properties in Israel can be a great investment, but challenging to manage if you're based abroad. The Blue Agency will manage every aspect of your property, finding and vetting tenants, maintaining your property and getting it rental ready, negotiating contracts and collecting rentals, reporting back to you regularly. The Blue Agency has built a reputation for trust and confidentiality over 20 years. The Blue Agency, your Israel property is in good hands. Contact us at www.thebueagency.com. Редактор субтитров А.Семкин Корректор А.Егорова